0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 35. You know, someday I may just end up changing my theme music. I don't know. I kind of like it. I still listen to the Crash Test Dummies. I have that on my Apple iTunes. And uh, have you ever listened to the Crash Test Dummies? The guy has a very, very strange voice. My son got the Crash Test Dummies CD for Christmas one year when he was in probably seventh, eighth grade. And they were just so unusual, so different. The guy who is the lead singer has such a low, strange voice. When you first hear it, you're going to say, Lenny, are you kidding? But he really is kind of entertaining, if you, especially if you listen to the words. So I don't know. I'll make a decision on that. But that's that's who the theme, that's where the theme song comes from. Um, so I just thought you might want to know that. Okay, today we're going to be observing some myths, that's M-Y-T-H-S, myths, and some tips. And some of the tips are myths, and uh, I think it's worth going through when it comes to automotive maintenance. So let's talk about some of the things. This actually came from a Reader's Digest article that I read a couple years ago, and I maintained it. The title of the article was 74 Maintenance Tips, that will extend the life of your car. Now, if you trade every two or three years while the vehicle is under warranty, it still matters, but it doesn't matter as much if you maintain your car. If you're one of those long-term car holders and you are the uh, adversary of car dealers, well, not necessarily the adversary. It's just that you're not good for car dealers because you don't buy cars often enough. But you know, if you if you want a car to last a long time, there there are some some very important easy things that you can do. So let's go. Let's start at the list. The first one is to be patient during the break-in period. I totally agree with this. Um, I just recently bought another C8 Corvette for resale. This is the new 2023 Corvette, and it actually has a limiter on the engine that limits the RPMs to. 4,500 RPMs during the first 500 miles, and when it hits 500 miles, it automatically opens it up the rest of the uh, engine um, acceleration and performance. So uh, it keeps you under control. You can't really rev it that far because the, I think the red line is like 6,500 or 7,000. So it keeps you reasonable during the break-in period. Why is that important? Because all of those moving parts need to get to know each other. And they will develop wear patterns real, real early in the life cycle that will haunt you later on. So you want those wear patterns to be good. You want the uh, lubrication to be able to settle in all the parts to you know, get rid of the little pieces of metal, metal shavings and stuff that actually are a part of the manufacturing process. They're not supposed to be in there, but sometimes they're there. And uh, they will end up in the oil pan. And you want to change your oil pretty early on. In in the Corvette, they recommend that you change the oil the first time at about 1,500 miles. And that's just to make sure that you get the break-in oil out. Uh, Do most cars come with break-in oil? No, they don't. They come with the oil that they recommend. But the break-in period is important. You know, typically you don't want to go over 65 miles an hour um, you don't want you know especially during the first 500 miles or so, and you just avoid hard acceleration because it puts too much stress on the engine. Avoid heavy loads, don't tow a trailer in the first 500 miles. Uh, don't even let the car idle for really long periods. Um, it's especially important during the break-in and you really shouldn't do it ever. The oil pressure generated by doing so may not be sending oil to every part of your engine, so it just it's not good for it to be running like that. Okay, the second recommendation is drive with care every day. Well, what does that mean? Well, according to them, do not race your car's engine during startup. Totally agree with that. Accelerate slowly when you begin your drive. You know, let your car warm up. Totally agree with that. Um, What else here? Avoid driving at high speeds. Accelerating quickly, especially when it's very hot or very cold outside. Extend the life of your tires with careful driving. You know, there's a lot of things, a lot of benefits. I know I was driving that electric vehicle this past weekend, and and I know that if I drove – if I didn't drive as fast as I normally do, true confessions, then uh, the battery would last longer, could go further. Because, you know, when you're going fast, you got more wind resistance, right, and uh, you're consuming more fuel to keep it going at that speed. So all these people that are blowing by me at 85 miles an hour, and I'm trying to do the speed limit, uh, I hope they're listening – because it was uh, hard to take. Here's an interesting one. Do you buy your gas at the same place all the time? Do you like uh, care what kind of fuel goes into your car? I know some people that, that uh, they're really loyal to Exxon or to BP or to Shell or whatever. I don't know that that makes that much difference. I think all the gasoline's pretty much the same. Um, I just there's a couple of things that you shouldn't do. You should never fill up your car if you see the tanker sitting there uh, loading fuel, because what it does, it stirs up sediments in the bottom of the storage tanks, if there are any, you know, for their brand new tanks, you're not going to have much, but over time, they do build up sediment, and that's what ends up uh, getting into your uh, fuel system and clogging up your fuel filter, Uh, could also stir up some moisture in those tanks, I've seen people, you know, all of a sudden, they fill up after the tanker's been there, and they get some water in their gas, and that's definitely not going to help your car run, Matter of fact, it'll stop it dead in its tracks. And if it's a diesel engine, it could be even worse. So I agree with that. As far as the brand of gas, just make sure you use the octane that your car recommends. It does not do any good to put premium in a car that is designed to run on regular unleaded. It's not better for your car. Matter of fact, your car is designed uh, for a certain type of fuel. If it's a high compression engine, then it's supposed to have a high octane. But if it's not... Then it can run on low octane and you can actually damage the engine if you put low octane gas in a high compression engine. Like if you're driving a Lexus and it says you need to use premium fuel only, you better listen. I've had some people ask me if they should just use straight gas, you know, like they sell at Marathon or someplace like that. I think it's 90 octane. Um, you know, if you're going to let your car sit for long periods of time, yeah, because ethanol just it, it, uh, it evaporates. And it leaves residue in, in, inside your fuel system. So, and especially in your lawnmowers and, and your chainsaws and blowers and stuff like that, don't ever use a gas blended with ethanol. Just use straight gas. Okay, what else? Oh, yeah, lighten up your keychain. I've heard this before. So, one of the reasons that, that um, some key cylinders fail, ignition key c- cylinders, and they're not cheap. Is because people have too many keys on their keychain. Just think that key when you're driving, it's constantly that whole keychain assembly that you've assembled, is just swinging back and forth and swinging. And over time, you know that stresses the the metal inside the cylinder, and you can stick your key in there one day and it doesn't work. Now most of the cars that I drive have push button; they don't even have you know you don't even insert a key. When I have to do that now, I'm thinking, what kind of primitive vehicle is this? No, I'm not that spoiled. Most of the old cars that I have, or all of them, use a key. But I'd say it is convenient, though, to be able to keep the key in your pocket and just push a button and start the car. I love with my F-150 how when I approach it, it sees me coming. It uh, gets a radio signal from my key fob, and it says, oh, Lenny's here. I'm going to lower my running boards and turn on the lights and, and unlock the doors for him. I just like that, and then when I leave, I don't have to worry about locking my doors. It automatically locks when I get about 10 feet away, so that's kind of kind of cool. Okay, I'm going to take my first break, and I'll be back in just a minute. Okay, what else can we do to preserve our vehicles? You know, there's money in this. I've talked about how, how much um, money you can actually make by maintaining your car, or less money that you'll lose at trade time. Because when, a, when you pull into a dealership and they appraise your car and th- they're adding up what it's going to cost to get your car ready to sell. So if it has a number of issues, then that's going to cost you money. And so many of these things can be taken care of by you. It's just like this one. Uh, let's see. Oh, cleaning the inside of your car. You know, I, we get into a lot of nasty cars uh, and it's uh, some of them we don't even want to get into. And I'm sure that's none of you that are listening, but there are some people that I just can't believe what they put up with or what, they're, uh, what they allow their rear ends to experience when they sit in those seats. It's just horrible. I mean, it's okay. I won't go into that anymore, but let's just say that a lot of people uh, abuse their vehicle's interiors. So clean the inside. You know, once a year, shampoo your seats. Maybe get your carpet shampooed if it gets dirty. Please buy some WeatherTech floor mats and protect the floor of your car. Just preserve the carpet. It keeps you from, like if you spill something in the floorboard, then it's not going to get to your carpet because the WeatherTech mats or mats like that will, you know, they're kind of built up on the sides so that they, it keeps the, the liquid from running off into your carpet. And if you get a big water leak or something like that happens, you know, I don't know what could cause it, like a, like a sunroof is leaking and your carpet gets soaking wet. Folks, if you just vacuum it out, or, like, or use like a, a towel or a bunch of towels to clean it up. It's not good enough. You need to take that to a shop and let them pull the carpet up. It's really not that hard to do. Or maybe you can do it. And make sure that the water, there's no standing water in any of the floorboard in the metal area. And if it really soaked your uh, insulation that's underneath your carpet, you got to take the carpet out. You got to take the insulation out, let it dry in the sun, because if you don't, it's going to get that musty smell that's just awful. And, you know, the thing is, you get used to it, just like, you know, somebody that lives in a house with dogs, you know, and the dogs are inside, they get used to, you know, if the dogs have peed and stuff like that, they get used to the smell, they don't smell it. But somebody else walks into the house, they, "Ooh, pee, dogs, cat, whatever. So, you know, these are certain things that, that you need to do in order to preserve the, the value of your vehicle. You know, also, sometimes when you're cleaning your car, uh, people just don't go far enough. It's not just the floorboard and the seats, but it's the dash as well. The dashboard takes a lot of abuse. You know, your dirty hands. You're sneezing on your steering wheel. You know, you get all that stuff. you got to be careful what you wipe the uh, instrument cluster with, especially any type of plexiglass or any type of see-through material on your dash on your infotainment system you got to be careful what you wipe that off with check your owner's manual on that but keep that area clean and all the little cracks and stuff on your console get a toothbrush or some type of a stiff um, bristle brush and clean out all those little grooves and stuff and just have a vacuum vacuum cleaner or rag with you you know you just dig out the the stuff up but in the seams the different cracks and then suck it up with a vacuum cleaner and it just makes it look so much nicer and then your leather you know keep your leather from drying out uh, leather car seats are are very durable they don't require a lot of maintenance but after a few years the seats become soiled they become you know they start getting cracks especially where you're getting in and out of them so use a good leather cleaner to remove the dirt and the stains and then apply a leather protectant Uh, You can buy those at just about any parts store. Um, I like Meguiar's uh, the best, but there are many others. But they uh, help the leather resist stains and they make it easier to clean in the future. So it also makes it look better when you go to trade it. So that's very important. Okay, and if you're having to leave your car outside, you're just going to have to wash it. And make sure that it has a good coat of wax or some type of ceramic coating on it. It will preserve your paint. And if it's always parked outside, then you know you need to wax your car or put some type of protective film on it about every six months, or at the least every year, or put a car cover on it. I mean, that's one way to do it. But it's best to park them inside so that they don't get stains and droppings and get them off quickly. I tell you what, I had um, my let's see, one of my previous truck. It was parked under one of my Bradford pear trees, and we had one of those. Uh, frost, and all of the flowers on the tree kind of turned brown and fell off. Well, a f- bunch of them fell on my truck, and I left it on it too long. We ended up having to buff that truck. We got all of that those sticky flowers off of it, and then we had to buff it because it actually did something to the clear coat. And so if you get any type of sap or any type of flowering substance like that or bird droppings or whatever, get them off as quickly as possible. I was driving down the road one time and I was in a, a relatively new uh, Chevrolet Tahoe when I was a Chevrolet dealer. And I accidentally uh, hit my passenger side it was a narrow road and I hit my passenger side mirror on a mailbox. And it didn't hurt the mailbox, but boy it destroyed my mirror. Well there was it's a mirror that had defrosting capabilities. And there's a fluid that came out of those mirrors, and it got on the side of my vehicle. Well, I left that on there for, well, I, I guess it was on there overnight. I went down to have it cleaned off. It had destroyed the paint on that door, and we ended up having to paint that door. It would not c- come off. I mean, it actually, the paint started peeling on it. So make sure if you get anything like that, any type of chemical, you need to get it off. And speaking of paint protection, you know this... Uh, PPF. It's paint protection film. I used to think that was silly, but I don't anymore. If you buy a really nice car and it has like a lot of the front end surfaces and the mirrors and the fenders and stuff are exposed, um, you don't have a lot. Most cars don't have a lot of chrome on the front of them. And some vehicles have really big grills, but I would seriously consider putting paint protectant film on the front part of my car. On my front fenders, my hood and the, the leading edge of the hood And maybe even my mirrors as well. And also on my rocker panel where I get in and out of the car because that's where you drag your feet and so forth. And if you do that, it'll preserve the paint forever, basically. And if that film deteriorates, which it can over about a five- or six-year period, then you just peel it off and put it on again. And then when it's time to trade cars, your car looks brand new. And I just think that's a pretty smart thing to do. I know some people that actually put paint protectant film on their entire car. Now that's not cheap. You're probably looking at $3,000 to $5,000 to do that. If you just do the front half of your car, it's probably going to cost uh, anywhere from $800 to $1,200. I I know it sounds like a lot of money, but I tell you what, it will really protect your car. Okay, just a few words about tires. And I this is one of those dead horses that I beat repeatedly. But just check your air pressure on your tires every month. You're going to lose two pounds a month. And, you know, if you take a tire that only has 32 pounds of pressure and it's six months, I mean, you've lost enough for the vehicle to be dangerous and to uh, make sh- dramatically shorten the life of your tires. So just do it. Get you a tire gauge and get you a little compressor so that you can check that because that's something that's important. Um, and then... Always check your, your tire, tires for uneven tire wear. That could indicate that you have a, a worn-out suspension component. It could. It's probably just an alignment issue, and you can get your alignment checked. You just have to go to a dealership like mine that has one of those uh, free alignment checks where you just, we have a, a Hunter system. That's the name of the company, and you just drive into the dealership, and you're going to be hit with about, I think it's about 50 different laser beams. They don't hurt much. No, they don't hurt. They're aimed at your tires. And it tells us immediately whether you have a a toe-in situation or toe-out, whether or not you have a camber or caster adjustment. I can't remember which one of those it is. But it doesn't measure everything on your alignment, but it does the two major ones that can cause your tires to wear prematurely. But the number one thing that causes them to wear prematurely is not enough air. So that's very important. Uh, you also want to check your tires for just safety and make sure that if you have any like bulges on the sidewall unfortunately you can't see the inside sidewall you have to kind of turn them park it turn the steering wheel and feel on the inside of the tire to see if you have any bulges you probably don't have to worry about that if they're relatively new and sometimes you can feel that it'll be a it'll make a whop 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 kind of a noise when you're going down the road if you have a defect but that is the first indication that your tire is getting ready to blow out if it has just it, it looks like a little bubble just a just a spot where the tire actually is uh, the sidewall is separating and allows the air to push into a gap causing that bubble so it's definitely something if you see that I don't I don't even know if you drive it anymore I mean if the tire store is really close to you you can chance it but uh, maybe it's time to put the spare on before you do that. Okay, I'll take my last break and be back. I'm going to tell you one of these maintenance things that most people have never, ever thought about, but it's very important that you consider doing it. Okay, I am back. You know, one of the things that very few people think about is their brake fluid. Did you wake up this morning thinking about your brake fluid? Probably not. Well, you might now. Your anti-lock brake system is very sensitive to moisture. Uh, that can ruin your a b s pump. It can rot the brake lines from the inside, and since brake fluid attracts moisture automatically, it should be bled or purged at least every three years. Now, some dealerships will try to sell you a brake system flush okay fine if if I haven't seen any scientific proof that that works, but you as long as you you know you can need to check your brake fluid and if you don't know how to do that, I'll be glad to show you. But it is something that needs to be done because uh, that system will attract moisture and cause all kinds of problems with your ABS. Now, if your ABS light comes on and you're trying to trade cars, that is going to be a, uh, something that the dealership is going to want to diagnose before they trade with you because it can be very expensive. It could be something very minor, but it can also be major, so that's something that they can be very concerned about. And finally, check your oil. You know, you need to uh, run or drive your car for about 15 minutes to warm up the oil and then park it in a level place. Turn off the engine. Wait about 15 minutes. Allow the oil in the engine to drain back into the oil pan, which is where your dipstick is is measuring the oil level. Uh, Remove the dipstick. Uh, Make sure you wipe it clean uh, with a paper towel or rag or whatever and then stick it back in there and leave it for just a second. Push it all the way in and then pull it back out and see where it is on the mark. You also need to do this after somebody changes your oil just to make sure that they filled it up properly and they didn't overfill it. Overfilling oil uh, can be a serious problem. If you do that, it uh, the oil can rise into where the crankshaft itself, and then air bubbles get generated, and they get turned into the oil, and then your oil pump can't do a good job of circulating the oil with air bubbles in it. Um and it could basically cause your your vehicle to overheat. It can cause stress on engine components. It can foul your spark plugs. So overfilling is a big problem. So I mean, I overfilled my lawnmower one time, and I called the guy. I said, "What do I do?" He said, "Well, you got to drain the oil out. You got to drain out enough to get it down lever, because you can damage your engine." So I learned that the hard way. So don't you learn it the hard way. You know, hopefully, some of these tips will will help you save some money. If you want to check it out, just Google. Uh, Reader's Digest did a pretty good thing here, I think, for car owners. And all of it makes sense. It's 74 maintenance tips that will extend the life of your car. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru. If you have any questions, send me a text, 423-552-2020. I had a guy send me one uh, just yesterday about the, his his son was thinking about buying a Mercedes Benz in Knoxville and he gave me the VIN number. I pulled a Carfax on it and it turned out to be okay. But that's one of the things I can do. Instead of it costing him $44 to pull it, he got it done through me for free. So there you go. Well, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.